This year, the Wellness Summit returns. 95% of the people you know out there want you to play it safe. They don't want you to jump over fire. You can get burned. They don't want you to live the life that you were born to live. You gotta remember that if you're cooking food, you wanna love it. You don't wanna be thinking, oh, I don't wanna to have to prepare another meal for my husband who doesn't appreciate it. I don't have to prepare another meal for my wife who just doesn't care, she just wants peanut butter on toast. Wake the heck up. You are where you're at right here, right now because of all the choices you have made up to this point. Now, I didn't know what to do with being blown up. I didn't know what to do with that until the psychologist told me, you're going to have post-traumatic stress disorder, Karen. I went, okay, great. Now, at least I know what to do with that. Get ready, Melbourne. The summit is back. Well, other people are just walking through fire. I mean, look, look. And I'm on the phone going, yeah, and he's like, I mean, look, like this. And then he's lifted up his top and he's squeezing that, and I'm going, yeah, I can't even. When are we masking? There's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. All info and tickets at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill. And I'm George. Hey, hang on a second. This is a change to the intro. George. Now, George, George, you are the first guest I've realized to be back on this show for the third time ever. Um, wow. Except, wow, I love that. Except for the fact that you're not really back on as a guest now, George. This is For those who don't know, this is obviously George Bryant, the Civilized Caveman, one of our absolute favorites on that paleo show, has been on the show twice before. Um, but George, you've got some news for everyone. I do. I was such a good guest that you invited me on to ask me to co-host the show. <laughs> it's so exciting. So exciting. We've had a couple of, uh, you know, runs at that paleo show. I had a couple of co-hosts to start with and uh, I burnt them out. I had a couple more co-hosts. I burnt them out. So, we're, we're having another go here, George. And uh, I'm super excited, mate, because uh, every time we've chatted, we've just gotten along like a house on fire and we've had such a great chat. Uh, I think you're such a cool guy. You're such a wealth of information. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this journey with you, mate. Yeah, me too. I love, I love the act. I mean, like the metaphors that you guys use. Like we get along like a house on fire. Like, <laughs> I've never heard that before in my entire uh, life. Yeah, you, you're going to learn all sorts from us, George. <laughs> I'm going to have to take notes. I have like a whole arsenal of new tweetables that I can send out <laughs> as, as this is done. I'm like, oh, this podcast was like a house on fire. It was amazing. People be like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, you're going to share that with your American audience and they're just going to be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty stoked. And for everybody wondering, you can just go be guests on podcasts and make everybody laugh and they invite you to host a thing. I mean, it's yeah. a dangerous game to have me on. <laughs> it's great. It's great. We're going to have lots of fun. Now, I don't know how long it's been since I had you on last, George, but I reckon it's about a year or two. Uh, I might have a look in a second, figure out how long ago the last one was. But mate, you've been busy since then. Obviously, your civilized caveman is still trucking along. By the way, I still make your banana bread on a regular basis. It is the best. And that's 
I feel like that that recipe is the only reason that I'm successful and I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's how you're on my radar, mate. I just like your banana bread. Like seriously, it's the best. The kids love that's it. Fine. Everyone that's, loves it. That's fine. I mean, it's better to be known for one thing and be really, really good at it than known for a ton of like crappy things. So like I'll totally take the banana bread. It's it's so funny. I've actually got a friend who's a vegan uh, blogger, has a vegan Instagram account, and his one thing was making a vegan version of KFC. And oh. he made this vegan version of KFC and it just went mental on the internet. And so that's his one thing. So I, I reckon banana bread's probably a healthier alternative. Yeah, I'll take the banana. I don't know if I, 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 number one, I don't know how you make vegan chicken. So, no, no me yeah. either. Yeah. So I, you know, that's an inch. I love, I love vegans. Like I love vegetarians. I love everybody. Like I don't believe in dogmacy, which you guys will learn more about. Um, but I like, can we just not call it chicken or call, <laughs> like, have you ever seen those tofurkeys? Like yeah, yeah. they make this turkey out of tofu and then they shape it to look like a turkey and that's- then they brown the outside of it and they like, put fake bones in it and i'm like no it's not a turkey that's the bit i don't get right is like you've chosen to be vegan right that's cool like you like the taste i get that that's fine like eat whatever you want you like the taste but you've chosen to be vegan either for health or for ethical reasons but then why do you make it look like a turkey i just don't quite get that bit yeah it's like the romanticizing piece of it and it's like i don't know i don't know and i've heard other people say like what so we can attract other people i'm like no someone's not going to go vegan because you made tofu look like a turkey. Like that's, <laughs> that's not an enticing reason. I'm not going to be shopping the aisles, be like no. meat, meat, meat. Oh, tofu shaped like a turkey. I'm going to eat this for dinner. Like it's just not, oh, it's, it's insane. It, you know what? That's funny actually. And this, this is totally, you know, cause this is paleo and well, we I'm get trying to there. Think of what the alternative is, George, like what, what's the paleo version of that? Like, do we like grind up a steak and make it look like a tofu burger or like how do right? we, how do we do it yeah. the other way? I'm not quite sure. I feel like we, we're already really good at it. We just call it food. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I saw a video this morning. Uh, you know, I was scrolling through Facebook when I was waiting for my coffee. And uh, it was in Toronto, Canada. And there was this a restaurant uh, that's known for like farm to table. They like raise their own meats. They, you know, they go hunting like uh, and one of the chefs hunts like venison and he hunts deer. And he was getting picketed. Uh, by like vegan protesters. They had signs outside of his window that said murder and all these other things. And so the guy, rather than working in the kitchen, he brought an entire deer out right on the front window and the table and he started <laughs> breaking it down at the window in front of all the protesters. <laughs> they like did, what happened? They didn't know what to do. So they called the cops and they're like, is this guy breaking the law? Is this against the health code and all this other stuff? And the cops show up. And the cops walk in the door and, you know, they have some sort of conversation with the chef and then they're all seen smiling and the vegans just basically walked away because the cops were on his side and he wasn't breaking any law. Yeah, because yeah, he's like, it's uh, okay, boys, I'll make you a burger after, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, no, I, and like I don't I, – I love when people have like opinions and when they stand up for like what they believe in and like I'm all for that. But like if you're going to protest, well, like go protest like McDonald's or – one yeah, of these yeah. places like supports factory farming. You protested the restaurant with the chef that hunts the food he serves his customers. Yeah. Like yeah. there's not more like close to nature, like let's get into the weeds as much as possible kind of stuff. But yeah, it's it's insane. But, to answer your question, we just call it food. So we'll just yeah. keep making 
you know, healthy burgers support really good farmers, support farm to table movements and like make a difference so that all this stuff is sustainable. Absolutely. Mate, I can tell already we're going to have lots of fun conversations with you and I on this show. But uh, before we get into it, there's probably there might be some people listening to this show who've, who've joined us more recently who haven't heard your previous episodes, George. So, for those who don't know who you are and what you do, give us the, give us the brief rundown, George. Tell us about the civilized Gee. caveman. Yeah, you know me well enough to say the word brief before you say give me the run. <laughs> that, that's how you know that we've had interviews before. Uh, so my first tip is to go find the other episodes wherever they are. And by the way, I, I've been looking. I'm all the way back to like 2015 and I can't even find them. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, don't know. I found one of them. I, I, the easiest way to do it, you know, if you want to go find back episodes is you just go to yeah. Google and you just type that paleo show and then you type the guest, right? So I type George Bryant. I'm actually literally doing it as we speak, and then it comes up, right? So, it says, uh, that paleo show, I saw it here, that paleo show 71 was when you came on with Julie Bauer to discuss your new book. So, that was 71. That's 2014, but I'm certain that you've been on since then. And uh, I was. But you know what's nuts? When I Google, and this might be a US-Australia thing, right? When I Google... That paleo show, George Bryant, the first result is my about me page on my website. The ah, second result is my homepage. The yes. third result, Amazon. We're so going to have to we're gonna This comes, this comes down to your other skills though, George, I think. Your, you know, your non-paleo skills that you have in the marketing yeah, department. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to fix that one. So, to give everybody a, a, brief, uh, a brief elevator pitch because I, I'm known to be long-winded and I have <laughs> quite, a, quite a few stories here. Um, you know, I started my health journey, I'd say around 14 or 15 and not in the best capacity. It's when I actually started struggling with bulimia. And so I had a pretty broken home. You know, I had abusive parents. I was uh, sexually abused when I was nine. Uh, and once again, when I was 13, there was a lot of alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, physical abuse. And so I was overweight and I started struggling with my body image and eating disorders around 14. Uh, at 17, I forged my parents' signature and joined the Marine Corps. I lost about 40 pounds to go to boot camp. I ended up going to boot camp to be a United States Marine. I graduated first at boot camp out of a couple thousand people, did Marine combat training, graduated first, and then um, went to my job school, graduated first. And then I deployed at the tender ripe age of 20 to Somalia in 2004. Uh, I spent 13 months of my life there and I got injured very badly when I was there. I almost lost both my legs. I had what's called exercise-induced compartment syndrome, which do not Google it if you've just eaten. Um, And I ended up spending 12 months in a wheelchair. I gained 100 pounds again um, and my bulimia spiraled out of control. And that, that really kicked in. Uh, the next journey of my life, which was having a physical therapist that absolutely beat my behind into shape. Uh, I ended up losing the weight. I ended up running uh, a half Ironman. I tied a world record for a standing box jump. After they told me I would never walk again, they wanted to amputate my legs. So I was doing pretty well. And then uh, my dad was actually diagnosed with metastatic brain and lung cancer. And um, after nine months of him just fighting and fighting and fighting, I lost him to cancer. And that's what really spiraled me into a new direction. You know, I had struggled heavily with my eating disorder. I ate a standard American diet. I yo-yoed all the time. I overtrained. I was miserable. And then I just lost like my best friend. And mm-hmm. so I uh, shortly thereafter, nine months later, I deployed to Afghanistan 
And when I was there, I stumbled upon two things. I stumbled upon CrossFit. And then naturally that meant I stumbled upon paleo, which was back in like 2009. And I made a deal with myself and I said, you know what? Like this paleo thing sounds like it makes sense. Uh, it was a lot easier to control my bulimia. And I was like, I'm going to do this paleo thing. Uh, only problem was I'd never cooked before. So uh, <laughs> that becomes a challenge, especially, you know, nine, 10 years ago when this wasn't a thing really. And so I came home from Afghanistan and I said, I'm going to make it my mission to teach myself how to cook. So I started uh, cooking. I found five recipes on YouTube and I made a deal with myself that I would cook each recipe as much as possible until I had it memorized and I no longer needed instructions to cook it. And once I did that, I started documenting it on Facebook to hold myself accountable. Uh, well, that turned into people seeing me doing it and then asking me to start a Facebook page, which then turned into 100 fans, which then 1,000 fans, then 10,000 fans, and sounds like you should start a website. And I'm like, what's a <laughs> website? Um, and so I then built a blog. Uh, I named it the hardest business name to remember ever, which at the time was Civilized Caveman Cooking Creations. <laughs> That's what. Uh, since then, we are now refined and we are now civilized cavemen. Um, and then we support wellness recipes and fitness. Um, but that started my journey. And then uh, the Marine Corps, after 12 years, it medically separated me. Uh, they said I was no longer fit for service. I had, um, you know, seven concussions over three years. So I had traumatic brain injury. I'd almost lost my legs and my PTSD was pretty, pretty insane. Um, so they, they kicked me out and I was like, well, I never want to work for anybody again and I'm going to keep this cooking thing going. So I then immersed myself into blogging and, uh, I kept teaching myself and very quickly I became an authority in the paleo space cause I was one of the original blogs. I, uh, I released an ebook called caveman feast and then I turned that into an app called caveman feast and we hit number one in the world. We were featured by Apple as the top health app of 2015. And then, um, of course, naturally I was like, I'll write a cookbook and I'd never taken a food photo before in my life. <laughs> I'd only been cooking for two years and I ended up writing the book and I ended up photographing the whole book and that did went you? on to, yeah, I did. I took every photograph in that book. Wow. Uh, 18,000 photographs to be exact. Um, and I ended up, I think with 430 in the book or something along those lines. Oh, yeah. uh, and that ended up hitting number four in the world on the New York Times. It was a 22-week New York Times bestseller and I did all the marketing um, planning behind it. And then... Uh, that continued. I, you know, grew my social media, I grew my website. And then, um, I realized that, uh, I wasn't enjoying cooking as much as I used to be. And I'd come out about my bulimia. I'd shared about my sexual abuse. Um, but I was still harboring a lot of like PTSD. I had a lot of nightmares. I had night sweats every night. I had a lot of things going on that I hadn't done the work around and I'd gotten married and my wife was pregnant. And so I had a, an error, you know, last year where I kind of spiraled out of control. I ended up in the hospital uh, in a psychiatric ward getting support for my PTSD. And then out of that kind of became this whole reset where I realized that I have a gift and I really want to help this world. And I love my website. I love what I do. But more than anything, I love inspiring people. And so I started a separate business on marketing. And now I'm a digital marketing strategist and consultant. And I've worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. And so I run both businesses now. And so I have Civilized Caveman where you know, we built an amazing team or we still are a beacon for people to basically come in and learn about wellness recipes and fitness. And I say, I help people, I help healthy people live the best life possible. 
through methods around eating healthy, thinking healthy, and all the encompassing holistic pieces required, right? Because my vision and and because of my journey, I know that food is not the solution or the problem. It's the belief system underneath the food. Yeah. And so when I can be with people and create content and be open about my story, I can be a beacon of hope and inspiration. I can give people permission to come take this journey with me and we can get results for people that are long lasting and permanent because they aren't predicated on some dogmatic movement or some, you know, crappy social constraint that we have to look a certain way or feel a certain way and it can be real and it can be about self-love and self-care and sustainability and longevity not who has a six-pack or who looks better in an outfit but (laughs) who is a good person and who loves themselves and who's going to have a lasting impact in the world and so that's why i still run civilized caveman and i'm so passionate about it which is why i agreed to come on the show and and spread that more and then my marketing I work with a lot of health companies and CPG, consumer packaged good companies and people that are making a big impact. And what I teach them in marketing helps them help millions of more people than I could help on my own. And I have a very selfish mission of helping a billion people live a better life, whether it's through me or through the people I help with marketing. And so that's kind of the world I live in that's gotten me to this point. And I have a 16-month-old son and a beautiful wife and a 13-year-old daughter. I love it. I love it. It's, you know, you do have such a great story, George, and I can tell you, you inspire me all the time because I do follow you on social media. I'm a, I'm a Civilized Caveman fan too and, uh, and I just love how open and how real you are and, you know, one of the things I find is sometimes people like to boast about how real they are and sometimes what that means to them is kind of a little bit negative. You know, but I love the mm-hmm. way the way you do it is you you are very real. You you share the best and the worst, but you do it in a very positive, empowering way. Why do you think that is that it comes across that way for people like me tuning in and listening in? Yeah, that's that's an amazing question, and not to sound like egotistical or really it, but I've done a lot of work to figure this out, and it's because I'm actually authentic. Uh, I'm not playing authentic on TV. Like I'm not yeah. putting on a social media front. Um, there are just as many goods as there are bads, but it's a window into the soul of how human beings are. And I I feel like I have this responsibility to the planet to be like, Hey, regardless of what you see on Instagram, regardless of what you see on Facebook, I don't want you to think that that's how it is all the time. Like we cannot compare our life to other people's highlight reels. And so I see it as my mission to blow up highlight reels and be like, this is my real movie. Like this is what (laughs) my real life looks like. When I'm laid out the door, I spilled coffee on myself after my son spit up in my face and my daughter's yelling (laughs) because she's late to school. Like that is my life. And then when I get in the car and drop her off and I cry on the way home because I feel like an inadequate husband and father – And I talk about it because I feel like people need to know that it's okay to be okay with how you feel. It's okay to be a human being and it's okay to have emotions and it's okay to share them. And I found that my biggest tool in life has been uh, radical honesty because it allows me to neutralize negative thinking. It allows me to get out of like self-deprecating cycles and cyclones. And when I can put it out into the world, I basically create space for me to move into something different. Like, okay, great. I hear you. I'm upset. I feel like a failure. I'm super emotional, but I'm not going to let it run my day. So I'm going to tell everybody else and I'm going to go do something about it. And so I use social media both as an accountability tool and an inspirational tool. And, And I've told everybody from day one, it's like, 
I am not here to be your guru. Like, I believe that leadership happens in the middle, right? Like in the Marine Corps, they're like, hey, you have to lead from the front. I'm like, yeah, but the only problem is you can't see who's behind you. Like, that's it, right? And so I developed this mantra when I was in the Marine Corps. I said, I'm going to lead from the middle where I can reach out and push the guys in front of me that need a hand and I can reach back and grab the hands of the guys that just need a little bit of a step. And that's kind of how I see it. So I'm not here to, to preach or to proselytize or any of that stuff. I'm here to lead and I lead by example. So like, I am an equal, I'm on the same playing field. And the more that I can open a window into my life about my mindset and how I deal with eating disorders and how I dealt with the sexual abuse and how I deal with the PTSD, the more likely I am to have a lasting, meaningful impact on somebody outside of posting the most photoshopped professional headshot that I could get taken that I did six months prior. And I'm like, hey, look at me at the beach today. And I'm like, I don't ever look like that at the beach. Like, I- <laughs> Like I look like a hot mess. Like you should have seen us flying to Orlando. Like we had six seats on the airplane. We had me, my wife, my daughter, my son, the nanny and her husband. And it took me 30 minutes and bloody knuckles to get the car seat in the thing. <laughs> I saw the, that in, post. I saw and that. I posted, about, I posted about it on Instagram and I was like, the hardest thing I've done as a father is install the car seat on an airplane. And that post went nuts. And I was like, this is real life, right? Like, yeah. This is this is what it's I didn't about. Even know so, you could install a car seat on an airplane. Like it would never even occur to me to try and install a car seat on an airplane. I was just like, what? Yeah, they don't they don't make it easy. But like our <laughs> our son is my son and my wife's son, and so he's like ants in his pants, and so he he doesn't understand the concept of sitting still. And we had a six hour flight or five and a half hour flight, and so you know there are those parents that I think are nuts that bring their kids on their lap. Um, yeah that's like sadistic to me. So I wasn't going to do that. And, you know, he naps in his car seat and he drives in the car and we, so we bought a seat for him so he could be as comfortable as possible. So he could have his seat and we could put movies on form and then he could take a nap in it. And then we had a little bit of sanity because he wasn't like pounding yeah. our legs and sitting on our lap the whole time. And so he wasn't kicking uh, you in the groin the entire trip, right? Yeah, which which he's a master at, and you know, like, and my wife had a C-section, and, and like, he's got impeccable aim, where like just one kick comes and it hits you right where it's not supposed to. Yeah, they all uh, do. Um, that's that's like a childhood trait, I think. It's just an innate skill that they've got. Yeah, uh, it's 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 nuts, but yeah. So it was it was definitely. I don't think I could have made it across the country. Um, without him in a car seat. So um, it was funny too, because I, fl- you know how much I fly, right? I have status on three different airplanes, the <laughs> airlines, like the top tier status, um, American Delta and Alaska. And they're like, okay, you you fly more than we do. And, and the flight attendant was like, you were the smartest guy I've ever seen. Like you guys uh, came on and put the car seat on, but your wife stayed out in the terminal with the baby and she was the last one on the plane. So you didn't have the baby sitting here bored for 45 minutes. Plus, you brought a car seat so he could actually be comfortable and sane and not have to deal with him screaming and climbing all over you and not sitting on your lap. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it was worth the extra $230 for the ticket for him to have his own seat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Hey, you guys have cheap flights too. Hey, um, I love what you're saying about honesty. You know, it's amazing. I did, uh, a, uh, I did a talk uh, a year or so ago, uh, which was called Rock Bottom for one of our big conferences here, the Wellness Summit we do in Australia. And, and it was all about my rock bottom, which was after my divorce. And, you know, it was amazing how that resonated. And so, as a result, I'm writing a book at the moment for Hay House, which is called Rock Bottom. And one of the things I was just writing about was honesty. And I think what you said was exactly right. You know, a lot of the stuff I did, I did a lot of 
of uh, the work by Louise Hay, um, yep. which is all about just loving what is, you know. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. You may as well love it, kind of thing. And um, but but part of this honesty I'm writing about in my book is just that pure honesty of like not glossing over it and saying everything's okay, but not you know beating yourself up and and getting caught in all the negativity either. The the honesty is almost like. It's just shades of grey, and I, and I think that's that's the thing people need to learn about the honesty is that it's okay for there to be shades of grey. You know, like no matter how amazing your marriage is, you're going to have tough days, and you're going to have times where you argue, and you're going to have times where you don't get along, and that's totally okay. You know, it's it's not black or white. It's not like we're either perfect the whole time yeah. or it's over. You know, th- there's like this massive shade of grey in between, and I think yeah, that's I- what it comes to with this honesty you're talking about. Yeah, and and I love how you equate it to marriage and relationships, right? Because we all have relationships. We have friends, we have wives, we have husbands, we have significant others, we have children. Um, and it we wish it would be rainbows and unicorns all day. But honestly, if it was, we wouldn't be able to experience joy. And so, yeah, the honesty is there. And, and for me, um, I don't look at like eating or paleo or a diet as this like this pillar. I just look at it as part of it because how we show up in one area of our life is how we show up everywhere, right? So food for me is no different than like a marriage, right? Like we have shades of gray for sure. We had a shade of gray about an hour ago, right? And I had to be there and listen (laughs) and have a conversation and like check my ego and be like, okay, like I hear you and I can support you, right? But it's the same thing with food and and it's such a good analogy because – I find it hilarious that, uh, you know, some people accept that everything's not black or white and there's shades of gray in their marriage. But then when it comes to food, they're like, hey, I'm going to do this strictly for 30 days. And then like they have a bad day or they make a choice. And then all of a sudden they like condemn themselves with a death sentence mm, because guilt. they like so much they, guilt. Yeah. Like it, it's this. I, and I, I tell people like there's four rules that I live by when it comes to food and it's no fault, no blame, no guilt and no shame. And I apply those everywhere in life. But, you know, one of my famous quotes and people love this quote is I'm like, you're not in a monogamous relationship with food. There is no (laughs) cheating. There's only choices. Right. And so what I find is that we find very creative ways to punish ourselves with food. We use food because it can't talk back and it doesn't do anything for us. And nobody's really going to call us out and be like, hey, I know you're eating those Oreos because you don't love yourself. We as a society perpetuate that it's okay. Like, Let's have Netflix and chill while we drink a bottle of wine and order pizza. And I'm like, no, let's have a conversation about why you made a choice that was just a choice. It wasn't a good choice or a bad choice. It was just a choice. And in the next moment when you could make a better one and shift your focus, you choose to dive down the rabbit hole and punish yourself for the next three days, five days, seven days, and then talk about how you're not good enough and how nobody loves you and you'll never be successful. And now you're regretful. Let's talk about that stuff so we can create like a lasting change and have the tools required to move past those things. So I love I love the analogy because it's so true. Yeah. And you know I think the the opposite happens as well where people like to label someone who is being conscious of what they're eating as you know they want to label that as well as you're denying yourself or you're um you know restricting yourself or you know whatever it is and 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 I think so it goes kind of both ways that, that it's like whichever way you choose to go it, it is just a choice it, it's not good or bad once again there, there's there's good and bad about both of the options whichever yeah. option you decide to take and it's about once again it's those shades of gray in between to be able to say you know this is what I'm choosing to do today and this is why and, and just because I'm choosing to 
have a healthy meal today because that's what I want for my body and I'm, and I'm loving myself in that way. It doesn't mean that tomorrow I might go, do you know what? I'm stressed out. I'm strung out. I haven't eaten all day and this is the best option that's available and I can still be loving myself by taking that option too. For sure. And I think, I mean, it's such a, it's such an awesome distinction and like, you know, what's deeper and, you know, you're familiar with, you know, Louise Hayes, which by the way, she has like the best app ever on the iPhone, but it, they took it out of the app store, but I still have the original copy, like oh. the heal your body app. It's awesome. Um, but what, what's so interesting about it all is that like deeper as you start doing work, I know that basically anything that I feel about you is just me judging myself anyways, right? Like yeah. <laughs> anything that I'm going to say is basically me saying it to myself because it's triggered to me. And then I know when people you know, get mad at me or they're like, Oh my God, I can't believe you ate that. I'm like, well, you're really saying is that you can't believe that you choose to eat it too. Right. Because yeah. like, we're never really, you know, judging other people or putting them down. We're, we're really like judging ourselves. And so, you know, I always invite everybody like, you know, we don't judge people because of like, well, some people do, but like the color shoes they put on, the color socks that they wear, like how they walk down the street or how fast that they walk. And yeah. we should take the same approach when it comes to life and lifestyles and food in general, because, you know, really when you put somebody into a situation where, you know, they feel backed into a corner or they feel bad and wrong, they're going to choose, they're going to choose wrong because they feel restricted and constrained and it's like crushing them. And if you want people in this world and your friends and your family and the people you care about to be like their best selves and their biggest selves and their most like powerful selves, you have to see them like they're already there. Like you have to hold that space for them already. Right. And so, you know, it starts by holding that space for yourself. Like I see myself as a badass. Like you can't touch me. Like I think right now I'm a rock star and tomorrow morning I might think I'm like a bad piece of crap, but I'll get over it and think I'm a rock star again. Uh, and then be because of that, like I try to see everybody else like, great, you had an Oreo. I hope it tasted good. Are you going to have one tomorrow? And you're like, no. Oh, awesome. Well, I know you can choose not to do that because you're amazing. Or you're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, awesome. Like I know you have a good reason to do that. Right. But it's always like seeing people how we want them to be and allowing people to take their journey and to make the choices they make and allowing it to be safe. And like, it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It just is. And, you know, we stay in our lane and live our journey. And that's what inspires people and makes lasting change. Not the whole, you know, the crazy dogmacy that started happening in paleo like three years ago where, you know, everyone like basically would like come out with picket fences and we started naming them. We actually started the hashtag paleo police because <laughs> I would post like a bowl of white rice and I would lose like 6,000 followers. And I'm like, what? Whoa. whoa, like guys, it's white rice. It's a benign starch. I needed some carbs in my life. Like, can I, <laughs> can I have a pass on this one? Yeah. Uh, you know, so but like, funny. that's not, that's not how we get to where we want to go, right? Like yeah. we have to live in this abundant mindset and we have to be committed where everything's okay and we just make choices and we evolve and we're nimble and we're yeah. quick with it. And yeah, you know, I it's, love it's that. It's funny how you said when people are under pressure and they might make the wrong choice. But I think just as much of the time what happens is people make the choice wrong. In, in other words, people might eat the, the, the thing that would actually be best and most nourishing for their body at that time. But if they're not doing it because they love themselves, like if they're doing it because they've been pressured into it by a friend yeah. or a family member or if they're doing it because they feel bad about their body or, you know, whatever it is, if they're doing it for the wrong reason, then that might actually be the wrong choice for them. They're actually making the choice that could be healthiest for their body, but it's actually not the right choice because the, the mindset and the mental uh, stress that's going on within their body to make that choice is actually meaning that it's not healthy for them anyway. 
For sure. I mean, it's the whole thing. Like, I think I told somebody once, you know, like our, our body operates, you know, sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system, um, rest and digest or fight or flight. And I told someone, I said, you know, it's really nuts. And we don't understand. Most people don't understand this, but if you're in like a fight or flight state, it doesn't matter what you eat because your body is going to flush it out anyways and only send things to vital organs and basically for survival. So, you know, when you're going to choose to eat that Oreo, like make sure that you do it in the right mindset uh, because it, it's going to have a lot less dramatic impact on you if you're in like a rest and digest state and it's a choice thing. And so it's very, very important even from like a biological level uh, because the effect of our emotions and our nervous system on our food and digestion and gut health and everything is absolutely insane. So I, lo- I love that distinction because I'm, I don't know there's just so many connected pieces and it goes so much deeper than like, yeah. you know, how they eat it or why they eat it. Like all these pieces are so interconnected. So yeah, like why don't we, can we just all be nice to each other and like just love each other for whatever the heck that we eat? I love it. Hey, George, we're up to half an hour already because we've just been smashing through this. So, I reckon next episode, we might even have a bit more of a chat about that whole stress response fight or flight because that's a great topic that I think could even make a whole episode. But for now, I'm going to say goodbye to you, my paleo-American friend, and uh, welcome to the show. So exciting to have you on board and, uh, and I can't wait to keep chatting with you each week on that paleo show. Yeah, I'm excited. So, I'll see you next week. All right. For everyone else, until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join a newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This year, the Wellness Summit returns. I realized in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people. I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources. So I had to give that to myself. Yanni says, I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world. He says, I'm going to prepare food. I love my own cheese. I love my own wine. I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV. He just loves company. I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question, isn't it? But when you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.